Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hey, this is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. And you are listening to OCR Talk. Thank you for joining us. This is episode 11, extra excited episode because we have a special guest this episode, which we talked about possibly doing last episode and uh, we didn't, but now we've got one because last weekend was the OCR World Championships 24-hour enduro race in Australia. So we've got with us a Lone Star Spartan who went to the race, Diosdado. Diosdado, say hello. Hello. Diosdado, what's your last name? Uh, Pasamonte. Pasamonte. Did I get close? Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so neither of us, myself or Anna, got to go, but you got to go, which uh, it seemed very exciting and pretty awesome. It looked like a lot of traveling, though. Yeah, it was a 17-hour flight down to Sydney from Dallas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you have any layovers? Uh, no, because it was a direct flight from Sydney to, I mean, from DFW to Sydney. Oh, wow. And vice, and vice versa. But the only time, but I, I had to drive up to DFW oh. to catch the flight because it was, it, was it was a Qantas flight from, from DFW. Yeah, so you're, you drove from San Antonio, so you had to do about, what, five hours to get yes. to the airport? Yes. Man. <laughs> I don't think, I think the longest flight I've done was maybe five or six. What about you, Anna? Oh, I don't know. Probably the same for me. Yeah, probably the same for me because I think I was, whenever I was 14, I went up to Virginia to go visit my sister and I think I got stuck in Washington Dulles Airport for a little while <laughs> because of some snow somewhere. And yeah, I think that was probably my longest flight. What about you, Diosdado? Have you have you had any flights that long before or close to it? Um, the closest I had was when I flew from, well, I guess it was from Houston to Honolulu, or maybe it was from, I can't remember, because I also went from Newark to Denmark 
a long, but that was like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but I, I can imagine that would only be, I don't know, maybe seven, eight at the most. Um, well, I know from Houston to Honolulu was about eight. I don't remember the other one because that was 20 plus years ago. <laughs> yeah. So 17, <laughs> man. Yeah. That, what do you, what do you even do on a flight that long? I mean, my friend just recently flew to Scotland. So she said that like a whole bunch of stuff on the international flight was free <laughs> to keep them entertained keep keep the natives quiet <laughs> i watched a lot of movies <laughs> downloaded a whole bunch of movies off netflix <laughs> no the qantas has a lot of first run movies on their screen on their screen there's a screen in front of your seat and you can watch like i like to watch like panther the greatest showman nice <laughs> Well, I watched The Greatest Showman twice, going to and coming back. Oh. That was a really good movie. <laughs> nice. That was a really good movie, huh? <laughs> yes. 12 Stronger, 1517 to Paris. Oh, I wanted to see that movie. How was that? Was that really good? It was It was good. It was short, but it was good. I'll have to check it out. There, there wasn't too much of the train scene. Huh. <laughs> it, it, was, it was more of them meeting up in Europe and traveling it before the train scene, but they had bits and pieces leading up to it. Oh, wow. Did you do anything else on the plane? Uh, did they give you meals, I would assume? Yes, they gave, well, it was about an hour into, hour, hour and a half into the flight, they gave us dinner, which was already like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't realize they, so they, they offered beer and wine for free. And I was like, I'll take beer <laughs> <laughs> and they served australian beer oh, nice carb loading <laughs> yep. oh and one of the nice things about the flight is that you can before you fly you can pre-select your meals for the flight and they'll have it ready for you cool that is really cool so they served dinner and they served well the entire flight was all at night until we got to sydney so they served dinner and then they served an empanada in the middle of the night <laughs> <That's> so random <laughs> And then, or, and then they served breakfast, which was you know bacon and eggs, nice, and sausage and hash brown. And then we landed. Cool. <laughs> and, and on the flight back, they gave us we, they served us lunch, and which I had pasta. They served us macaroni and cheese. Nice. And then they have what else they serve? They gave us ice cream, and then they gave us breakfast, which was you know, same bacon and sausage and eggs. That all sounds like perfect post race eats right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the way, the bacon in the, uh, in Australia and the bacon here are not the same. Yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah? Is it more like European bacon? Yeah, it's more ham than it is like our bacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like good stuff, though. So I guess take us take us through like your your travel. We know we, you flew for 17 hours, but like everything leading up to it. Um, what day did you get there? How far in advance did you get get to the race? Uh, so I left May 31, and I arrived on June 2nd, so I did not have a June 1. <laughs> just lost a day. <laughs> it was that beer on the flight, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then since after we went through all the customs and got the rental car, we drove down to Canberra, or wait, they call it Canberra, so that's how they pronounced it. Nice. The driving part was very scary. <laughs> yeah, driving on the opposite side. Because I was nervous driving on the road driving in the right-hand side of the car and driving in the left-hand <laughs> lane. Yeah. And the very first thing that I ended up with was rush hour traffic, which wasn't too bad, but then uh, but then you started going through tunnels, and I was, and the tunnels were very narrow. Oh, no. <laughs> was it a stick shift? Um, no, it was, it was automatic. 
Oh, well, that's nice. Yes, but I, I had a hard time judging between being next to the wall in the tunnel and the lane next to me where there was a car next to me. <laughs> it, was, it was hard to judge in a big <laughs> SUV. Well, at least you're in an SUV, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> And I was like, thank goodness I took up the insurance just in case. <laughs> you always get the insurance. <laughs> Did you travel with anybody or were you by yourself? I went with my parents and my sister. Nice. Oh, that's cool. And my sister was my pit crew, but I also bought pit crew passes for my parents so they can come into the race. Awesome. Okay. Which was not so bad. It was only $20 a person oh. compared to World's Toughest Mudder, where it's a lot more. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, you have done World's Toughest Mudder a few times and... I know you've done toughest, so I know you've done some eight-hour races. What other endurance activities have you done? Uh, well, the first one that led up to the reason why I like doing the multiple-ass races was Battlefrog BFX. And I did that at the Battlefrog Championship in Orlando in 2015. Nice. And I got hooked after that. <laughs> <laughs> and all, as far as the other endurance stuff, it's mostly Goruck. How long are some of the longer Goruck events? The longest one I had was... 15 hours it was between 15 and 16 hours is that the go ruck tough events or is it the go ruck heavy or something i know there's different different categories yeah it was the tough the tough yeah i tried doing a heavy in april and i bailed out during the welcome party Ooh, that sounds intense <laughs> so yeah after about two or three hours i was pretty much done and i already knew i was not going to make it through all 24 hours so i just I bailed. Wow! But I came, but I came back and did the the tough and the, the light the next day, the two following days. That's pretty intense. That's awesome, though. The most the the only go ruck event I've done is the scavenger hunt in Baton Rouge. So <laughs> that's my only experience with go ruck. So those are fun. Yeah, those, it was it was a lot of fun. I was getting on top of buildings in downtown Baton Rouge and taking pictures and putting them on Instagram, and it was crazy. When I did scavenger last year and i and they used my instagram account i'm sure my instagram followers were probably annoyed with the 30 40 plus pictures within a two-hour time yeah span. and they're all like what <laughs> is going on with this account <laughs> how far from the airport was the event about an hour and a half to two hours okay that's not bad yeah it was from our hotel it was probably it took us about two hours to drive out to our, our, the bed and breakfast that we booked and the bed and breakfast was like three miles away from the race venue. so you got there you said on the second. So a week yes. before. Yes. So what'd y'all do for a week to hang out? Uh, pretty much touristy things around Camberay. So we d went to Mount Ainsley. Mount Ainsley went to Parliament. Went to Telstra Tower. Went around the city center. The old and visited the old Parliament. Um, went to the National Arboretum. Uh, went to the National Botanical Garden and also went to the Australian War Memorial. Out of all the stuff that you guys did, if you were to, were to tell somebody, here's the one thing that you should do, what, what would it be? For the views in Canberra, it's definitely Mount Ainsley. And as far as the history stuff, the Australian War Memorial was really neat. Nice. So after Canberra, we went to we drove up to Sydney and did the touristy things there with the with the the bridge and the, the with the Harbour Bridge and the opera house in bondi in bondi beach <laughs> cool you guys had a nice little family vacation doing all that stuff yes and the race was on when, when did it start saturday saturday at, at 12 noon which was about 9 p.m friday night in, in texas the adventure company ocr world championships is that how they is that what they called it did they call it 
OCR World Championship 24-hour Enduro? Like, what was the full name of the event? I think it was just OCR 24-hour Enduro Championships. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but it was run by True Grit. So all the obstacles were True Grit obstacles. Right, because that's a, a course that they have out there. Or, I mean, it's a race that they've already done out there in years past, right? Yes. Is theirs 24 hours? It, yes, their True Grit is 24 hours. And I know the week before, they, they, had a tr- they just had a regular True Grit obstacle course race the previous week. Oh, okay. So they told us that the courses are already, trails were already ran through by the people the previous week mm. so they're like you can't get lost <laughs> <laughs> it's all carved out for you already yes <laughs> so i saw some of the obstacles were i mean they didn't look super challenging or anything but they were unique in a way that they were kind of almost part of the terrain like i saw that rope climb that was like on the on the side of the rock face things like that Yes, and there was a lot of cargo nets everywhere because we're mm-hmm. going up a lot of cargo nets up the rocks, rock wall. <laughs> yeah, that very rocky terrain looked uh, looked pretty interesting. Definitely different than you see at pretty much any other American race, at least. Yeah, how was the terrain? It was it was good. It was it was well. So the main part was in the motorbike part, I guess, and that was that's where it was mostly muddy. And once you leave the motorbike, cross motorbike, I don't know, park, uh, and go out into the farm, then it was. It was mostly it was it was technical because there was a lot of it was a lot of rocky technical trails. Mm-hmm. It, it, and as soon as you get through all that technical stuff, about obstacle five is when it you come to flat land, and then that's where they had the reverse that it, I guess they call it incline walls, which was which is like the inverse walls at the Spartan, and, or what was that? I can't remember what it was called at Tough Mudder. Skid marked. Yeah. Oh, skid marked. <laughs> In, inverted walls. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you went back out into the into the hills. But most of it, probably about five or six miles of it was, but no, but probably about three or four miles of it was flat though. The rest of it was all up in the map, going through up and down the hills. And it was a longer course, right? Not, it wasn't just five miles. How long was the lapse? It was probably about, I don't remember what they said officially. I think it was, they said it was officially about 7.5 or 7.6 miles. Oh, wow. Because I think, yeah, part of the course also ran through the pit. So as soon as you finished, crossed the finish line, you went through the pit, and so you you had a chance to, depending on where your pit was, you either pitted first, or you had to do two obstacles to get to your pit, because there are two obstacles in the pit area. Yeah, that was a really unique and really, I thought, very neat way to do it, in that there is no pit spot that's necessarily, sure, probably resting before you do a couple of obstacles might be better, but uh, there's no spot that makes you have to run further away from the course and then come back to it like you do at World's Toughest Motor. Correct. Everybody had to go through the same course through the pit to get back to the start line. Yeah, very cool. So as soon as you finish this, as soon as you hit, hit the finish line, then your clock starts for your second, for your next lap. So if you rested, your next lap could be a lot longer. Because mm. <laughs> yeah. I laughed at one time and I looked at my time and it said I had seven hours pit. That's because I took a three or four hour break. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I saw that on the on the video on Arnell's video that some people were taking four, five, six hours to complete a lap. Yes. Well, well, well one of them, I think one of them was was Mark and he Mark Daniels and he he was the amputee that they interviewed in the video. Yeah. He mentioned it took him about seven hours to do one lap. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's pretty awesome though. He he finished what four laps. Yes. That's pretty amazing in itself. I don't think I saw anybody really talk about 
how many miles they did. Everybody was talking about number of laps. Do you know how many miles you did? Um, I'm assuming, well, I'm just going to go with the least number. So I'd go, <laughs> go about seven, so about 35 miles, 35 miles, because I really don't know the exact after. Okay. <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> did you wear a GPS watch or anything? I, d- I did, but I don't remember where exactly I hit where it stopped because it, like, it kept running until it died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you first get into the pit, I saw that they had those rentable, rentable tents. So you didn't have to bring yes. your own. You can just set up in there and they got it ready for you. Yes. And those were the tents that were for rent for $200. Yeah. And they, and when I looked at some of them, they had cots inside them and that looked really yeah. was like, cool. But then I'd, I'd get caught with the sleeping in the tent. Right. Yeah. I think I would get a little too comfortable in that tent. <laughs> well, if you had that for, you know, if you split that between three people and you each had a couple of pit crew, you know, letting your pit crew use those and to keep you off of them. You know, it seems like a good, pretty good setup. You think it was worth the $200? <laughs> I think it would have been worth it. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is if you split it with someone else. I, I didn't, I, I shared my tent with Vanessa. Yeah. Well, v- Vanessa brought the tent, so I shared, I shared with her. <laughs> right. That's nice that you had, that you had that. I mean, you had gear there already for, for that part of it. Yes. And when you're talking about Vanessa, you're talking about the, the Aussie, as they say, that comes over to America and has done quite a few races here in Texas. Yes, Vanessa Letts. Did she have a big tent or just a little space to, to change? Or uh, it, it was like a two-person tent. Okay, a little small one? Yes. So y'all's tent was in the area where you had to run through and do a couple extra obstacles first, right? Yes, we had a, had a complete obstacle 29, which was the gymnastics rings that you go across. And then... It, and then obstacle 30, which was the cargo net, you go on top and then roll across the cargo net and then go back there and come back down. And then it's, I probably had another quarter mile before we're going through the pit before I could got to my tent. <laughs> <laughs> was that, was that rig with the rings? Was that the hardest rig? Was there any other rigs on the course? That was the only rig on the course was the rings. Oh, they, cause they did, they did have monkey bars. That's right. But the monkey bars were just straight across. Nothing like super hard or yes, technical was, about them. No, it was, it was just straight across. Yeah, and looking at the map, it looks really interesting how you, it's almost like a, a, a few out and backs. You know, you could run around in a loop, but it's kind of you go out in a direction and kind of come back that same direction. How was that? Yeah, that's that's true. And but I never, you can never really get to the see the other side. You can see the runners on the other side, but they were like way far away okay oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, and i can see and you can see the obstacles when you're running one direction you can see the obstacles on the other side was that a, a river that y'all ran past on like where it shows uh obstacles 12 13 14 and 15 no there was no river was that a trail or a road it was just big grass field is pretty much what i remember oh but it did rain like the day before or some or the day of huh it, it did rain and it and it's and it rained a little bit during the race. How was the temperature? So the temperature was cool. It wasn't cold. And I made the mistake of starting off in in a long cold gear shirt. Oh. Because within the first mile, I was burning up. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was hot. And and so I had my shirt above me and trying to cool down. <laughs> and, and I was expecting to get wet along the way. And the only place that we got wet was obstacle 13, which was a... 
something Steve, Scuba Steve or oh, something swimmer, Steve? Swimmer Scout. Swimmer Scout. Swimmer Scout. Mm-hmm. Yes. Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve. <laughs> and, and that water was, <laughs> and, and that water was meant to only up to your thighs, and that was pretty much about it. Huh. So it never really got cold at all during the race, like not cold enough for like a wetsuit. Well, I eventually put on a wetsuit because I got frozen. Oh yeah. When I oh, at when, night. when I got yeah when I was when I rested too long. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> And I saw, so I got, I felt cold. As soon as I put the wetsuit on, I warmed up and then I went out and then I got too hot. So I had, had someone unzip me. That's interesting to be on a course with so little water, but still be cold enough to think about using a wetsuit. Yeah. I know everybody else was either, they weren't, a lot of them were just mostly wearing their bottoms, like neoprene mm-hmm. bottoms and everybody else was just regular tops. And they looked at me, they're like, I can see why you're burning up. <laughs> what suit? I was like, yes. <laughs> Better to be overprepared. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> and, and I know it works different for different body types, but I, I personally would put on hev- a heavier top garment before I put on heavier legs because I feel like my legs can take it, take the cold better than my upper body. And, and the other reason why I, I went straight with, because I originally wanted just to wear the shorty instead of wearing the long wetsuit but and which is what my sister got out for me was the short one because i asked for that but then i rested too long and and when i got caught i was like give me the longer one and, <laughs> and all i can remember was from tough as mutter in may when i got cold out on the out in smithville and and i was like i couldn't stop shivering <laughs> so I, I couldn't do another lap <laughs> yeah that's amazing how that happens because you know, I, I ran the whole time and I never, I put on a, like a long sleeve on the second to last lap. But when you stop and I mean, I saw girls that I was passing, not that you were a girl <laughs> for, <laughs> but I saw a couple of girls and yeah, they were walking like with their hands clasped and they were real, you know, just shaking. And it's just amazing what happens when you do stop and rest and, uh, and that cold sets in. I think that's what a lot happened to a lot of people at Tufus Motors that once they stopped, they couldn't get going again. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't do as many laps as they thought they would do. That is very true. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people expected it to be that cold, really. To me, it, I don't think it was that cold. I, I mean, there was definitely some points where I thought it was cold-ish, but... Anna, you, you did a great job continuing to move, but I remember, you know, after the race was over... Uh, I mean, the sun was up, but even outside, it still was, it was quite chilly. Yeah, it was pretty chilly outside, even though the sun was out. So yeah, that's understandable. You got to keep moving. Yeah, just keep moving. (laughs) So what made you want to take a break in the first place? Like what time did you break at first? Uh, My first break was after my second lap, I think. It was probably about six-ish at night. And I was, on the second lap, I was very sleepy. (laughs) <laughs> and, I was, and I kept thinking, it's like, I guess this is where the jet lag part comes in. Yeah. It's going to be about <laughs> six o'clock at night. And I was like, I kept thinking, I was like, that's about three o'clock in the morning in San Antonio. Yep. <laughs> I can see why I'm so tired. So I was like, I, I just want to take a 30 minute sleep. So my sister let me nap for 30 minutes and then I just kept sleeping. She kept waking me up and I kept going back to sleep. And then she got mad at me and started yelling at me. That's a good pit crew. <laughs> That's one thing I think I would be afraid of is going to sleep and telling myself I can only sleep for like maybe 15, 30 minutes. But then I know realistically, whenever somebody goes to wake me up, I'm going to be like, leave me alone. <laughs> just let me sleep, yep. you know? So here's the key to that. 
make yourself go to sleep in a in a place that you're going to be uncomfortable that way it'd be easy to get back up uh-huh. so for for me at uh, world's toughest in 2016 i you know kind of hit that point where i was like man i've got to sleep some and so i laid down and i left my uh shoes and my wetsuit on my legs because i didn't want to have to deal with all that taking it off and stuff and sure enough they were exposed and cold and that's like I was still sleepy, but they were cold enough that I was uncomfortable. And I said, well, might as well get back up and keep moving. So, <laughs> yeah, if you get comfortable, I can see how that could just be tough, tough to get out of bed. <laughs> yes, especially and that happened to me on the after the third lap. I was sleepy again. So <laughs> I went I went to the fire. They had. So that's one thing that I loved about the tree grip, I guess, the, the Enduro race. Is that they had fire pits set up everywhere? Oh, cool! That's cool. And so I went to go sit by one of the fire pits, and I got a little too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> a little too cozy. <laughs> Is that what the little sun markers are on the map? Uh, no, those were supposed to be the headlight, the the lights that oh, okay. were that were, I guess, because they said there were about four lights, and they were at transition areas. Gotcha. Oh, so those were like the floodlights that were lighting the course, I guess, at night. Um. Yes. But it was mostly dark. It was only lit up in that one little area. Yeah, because they seem pretty spread out. Because I'm looking at it, and like the back part of the course looks like there's one light towards the start, and then you don't see another one until <laughs> you get out, like to obstacle 14 or something. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, most of it was really. It was dark out there, and especially at night, we got when there was less people out on the course. It got very lonely. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine. And the only people passing you are are the ones that are still really moving. Yeah, <laughs> the ones that are lapping you, like Allison Ty and what's his name, Lachlan, Lachlan dancing. Yeah, yeah, he was a beast. It was amazing watching him run by, and I was like, wow, he passed me by real fast. <laughs> <laughs> and he got a hundred miles in. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he, got, he he did the 14 laps to get the 100. That wow, crazy. that's awesome. Did they have any kind of bonus for that? Um, not that I know of, no. He just did it to be cool guy, huh? Was anybody <laughs> um, close behind him? Like, what did how many did second place get? Um, when I looked at the results, I think this guy behind him had 13 laps. Wow. So he had a whole lap on second place. And he had one toughest Australia, like, what, two weeks before? <laughs> what was the requirement? You had to, did you have to finish your last lap after noon? Um, no, they, as soon as, so the late cutoff time had to be done. You had to finish your last lap before noon. And then the age group had to be finished by 1210 and the team had to be finished by 1220. If you finished, if you're still, if you finished after that, your lap doesn't count. Was there a time frame to like, did you have to start your last lap after a certain time or? Um, no, you can start, you can keep going as long as you know, if you think you could finish within the time frame. So there wasn't a, if you don't. If you're not on course at this time, you don't get a medal or anything like that. Um, no, you, it's, it's, I think they had it where even if you completed one lap, you could you received a medal. So wasn't there wasn't like a minimum amount of laps that you had to you had to complete? No, that's that's cool. That's different. You're gonna be at Dallas Stadium this weekend? No, I will not be there. No. The next part I'll be doing will be St. Louis. Oh. St. Louis. Yeah, that's and that's where I'm doing tougher motor in the morning in. Tough at Tough Mudder, Missouri, and then as soon as I'm done with that, I'm driving down to Bush Stadium to do their stadium. Oh wow, that'll be a fun day. Yes, <laughs> or, or evening, or two days. It's it's just one day. <laughs> it's one, 
<laughs> I, I figured, why not do tough? Since they were within an hour apart of each other, I figured, why not do both on the same right. day? Because <laughs> I because I needed a tougher for the Holy Grail, right? <laughs> and I have and I have an extra volunteer credit for Spartan. So I, and so I kept looking for races to do, and they were both in the same area on the same day. So I did I knocked it out for one day. I think one thing I'm curious about is just since it's an endurance event and, you know, all these endurance events are kind of lumped in together, you know, they're all so similar, but what do you think was different about this race? Was it like the environment or the community or just something else that made it different for you from like doing toughest or world's toughest or, you know, the Spartan endurance events? Um, As far as, this race in particular, I, so there were a lot of things I loved about the race. I mean, one, I mean, the whole pit setup, make, running through the, the entire pit was, was pretty neat. They also had real, the porta pods there actually flush. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, that was pretty neat. I like that. <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. It's the little things, yes. right? <laughs> they had the fire pits. They had a lot of water for the pit crew to use. You can bring in burners, like at World Stuff's Motor Way, they don't allow you to bring any burners at all. They allow people to bring in burners, so everybody had the hot water. So you can walk around any of the tents and they, they offered hot water to you. Or at least that's what my sister was telling oh, me. nice. Because that's how I was able to get my soup and coffee. <laughs> everybody was just really friendly, which I loved about it. And everybody was, I mean, you weren't allowed to help people, but they were there to encouraging you to complete the obstacles. And I, and I love that about that, especially like I got on the ring obstacle, on the gymnastics rings obstacle, which they call Roman swing. I was on the last ring and Deanna Blake kept encouraging me to hit that bell. And I, cause I was stuck in no man's land. I couldn't reach up and I couldn't swing back to reach the next, to reach. Oh, no. <laughs> and when I finally gave up on trying to reach it, she's like, you were just almost there. Go back and do it again. <laughs> She's like, you can do it. I believe you. And I was like, I'll try, I'll try at the end. <laughs> hey, when Deanna Black tells you to go back and do it again, you go back and do exactly. it again. <laughs> <laughs> and all the volunteers were very, they were great. They were always joking around and, you know, they kept your spirits high and kept, they kept saying, they kept checking upon you, how are you check, asking how, you how are you doing and, you know, telling you thank you and goodbye and all that. And they, I just loved it. Say, good luck, mate, or how are you doing, mate? And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we get a lot of that from just OCR in general, especially World's Toughest Mudder. I mean, that's one of the things that people love about it the most is yes. the community, the camaraderie. Was it different out there? Um, it, it was. It felt the same. I mean, everybody was there to help each other out. I mean, you couldn't help each other out on the obstacles. You had to do obstacles on your own, but everybody was there helping you out mentally. <laughs> So it wasn't it wasn't better or worse. It was as good, you'd say. Yeah, I, I would say it was as good. Oh, one last thing I forgot to mention: at, at the very end, when you want to clean up and shower, the water was hot. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike other places where you just get whatever water's coming from the uh-huh. lake. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lake. Yeah. It was it was fr- it was clean hot water that from the big tubs of water that they had, and it felt amazing. That's wow. amazing. <laughs> It That's sounds awesome. like they really catered to like the pit crews and the racers and that, I mean, yeah, all the little luxuries that we take advantage, that we take for granted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So we would love to see that kind of stuff at World's Toughest Mudder. Yes. <laughs> Anything else that you feel like other endurance races could learn from this one? No, I mean, 
Wild Stuff is Motor has been great. Also, I just, I just love it. And I can't wait to do the one in Atlanta this year. Yes, we're all going to be there. <laughs> so if both of them happened on the same day and they were equal traveling distance and equal price, which one would you choose? Um, that, equally the same. I, I mean, everybody, all, the, the bigger family is obviously at World's Toughest Motor, so I'd be there. True. <laughs> yeah. I actually was just listening earlier to um, Evan Preparis talking to Rhea Coble, and he asked her kind of a similar question, like, would you choose iceland over you know world's toughest mutter and she said no because pretty much anybody that goes to the world's toughest they're going to do it again because that's just how awesome it is I mean, it's just a yes. great event i mean after the first year i did after the first year i did it i loved it and it's like i wanted to just keep going back over and over again <laughs> yeah <laughs> just the whole community and the encouragement of everybody there is just it's amazing yeah that is cool to see that at other events but world's toughest has it definitely has something special about it yeah, and it's so crazy to like come back and like go back to your day job <laughs> and try and explain that to, you know, all the people that, you know, just don't know what this community is all about because it's so hard to explain it yeah. to other people. Like, what's the appeal? Like, <laughs> you pay all this money to go do a race and like go hang out together and but yeah, it's kind of hard to explain to other people. Especially when you're in your darkest hour, especially like when it's like between two and five a.m., mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're struggling out there, and you're like, "Why am I even doing yeah. this?" <laughs> and then you come up to someone, and especially like when Morgan Mackay comes by and she's, you know, singing, <laughs> laughing the entire time, it, 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 you're like, "This is amazing!" <laughs> it's like it gets your spirits up a little right. bit more. <laughs> yeah, and you explain that to people that I. I thought to myself, I don't even know why I'm doing this. But then they're like, well, why did you do it? But it's like, well, it's more than that. You, yeah. you find out who you are in that moment. Okay. Australia, last thoughts on it? I just know there, there were just some obstacles I wish I could have beat when I was there <laughs> and did less burpees because of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> just like at World Stuff is Mutter, you, you knew you, there was going to be that one obstacle that Every lap. stuck in your mind and you know it's going to come up. And it was all, and for, uh, in that, at the enduro race, it was always obstacle 15, which they called muscle up. And it was basically, it's a slip wall. It was kind of a slip wall, kind of like liberator and backstabber. Mm -hmm. And instead of having holes in there, it was just, you had the starting block and then you had three ropes, three, like six inches ropes that you had to get your body over. And after falling off it and hitting the starting block, oh, I'm like, it's like, it messed me up. <laughs> psychological <laughs> and, and i was like well i have to see this over and over again yeah. <laughs> i always wonder why do they put those in those those obstacles like pyramid scheme like when you get a, a stack of people on that thing and it falls and you slide into that stupid board that hurts man yeah that yeah <laughs> and i just kept thinking to myself like, thank goodness my feet did not get injured yeah because <laughs> yeah. it hurts and i remember my friend um mary back in 16 when we were doing liberator and she was at the top and then she slipped down and hit that start that foot block and she got a nasty bruise off of it yeah that's rough so are you gonna do it again uh next year they've already opened up registration for it next year huh <laughs> yes but ne next year I no I want, I want next year i have other plans for other things so i will not be going to australia next year okay anything you can share yet or I, i'm planning to do tough rock in boston which is the same weekend as the boston marathon oh, weekend. Nice. oh wow and the other only other thing i know that i'm doing for sure is wherever the go has their grt reunion <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but just like the Wall Street Mud and GFG reunion, it's just, it's fun. Nice. <laughs> where, you, where, you get the, where you get Jason, the founder of GORUCK, at the event, and he does the event with you. Cool. It's even more special. Nice. So are you, are you yep. going to try and go to um, GORUCK's Savage Race? Um, if they bring it to Texas, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they need to. There's a lot of there's a lot of people in Texas that I know do go rugs and everything. I think it would do well down here. I mean, I wanted to do the one in Virginia, but I was already registered for a go ruck in Texas, and it's, uh, I didn't. And it, I was also registered for Tough as Mudder. It was the same weekend, so <laughs> I can't do it. I'm already doing go ruck and Tough as Mudder. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why not throw in one more thing in there? <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Yep, that's why, I, that's why I didn't do the one in Virginia. So. Diaz Data, is this the first uh, podcast you've been on? Um, yes. Well, dude, thank you so much for for coming on here and talking to us. It's uh, you know, seeing those big events. It's, it's always, of course, we want to be there. So it's nice to be able to hear about everything firsthand and see what that uh, see what the pit was like and and how it was to actually be there. Very cool. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you for the invite. You're welcome, man. Uh, it's always nice seeing you out at a lot of these events. You're you're at a lot of them. You know, you're at the Go Rucks. You're at uh, Ragnar. Even if it's just being a taco at the uh, transition station. <laughs> that was me, in case anybody anybody remembers. <laughs> I was in the taco suit. Nice. <laughs> the slap bracelets. <laughs> well, my, uh, I will be at I will be at the AT and T Stadium Spartan Sprint this weekend. Anna, you got any races? Yeah, I'll be at the Spartan Sprint as well this weekend. We'll be hanging out with Caterpie Laces um, at the stadium this weekend. So, cool. yeah, we're going to be hanging out for a bit. What are you guys doing after the race? Me and April are going to a margarita festival. Nice. That sounds amazing. <laughs> now I know what I'm going to do after the race. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to wing it. Drive home? No. <laughs> Probably I'm, I'm going to wing it. Diastata, you, uh, you, what you doing? You rusting up? I have no idea. I may just go hiking somewhere. Yeah. Nice. Wait, it's, wait, it's supposed to rain here in San Antonio, so that may not happen. Ah, it's just a little so, water. Uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> We've run through worse before, right? <laughs> very, 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 very true. <laughs> well, I'm super excited that we got to do this and got to get an extra episode that I was not planning on doing this week. So, Anna, anything else you want to say? Um, nope. Just thank you for coming on. This is probably something we're going to have to do more often is have like some special guests come on. <laughs> By the way, this was not an interview. We don't do interviews. Right. This was, yeah. we're not calling it an interview. <laughs> this is a little chit chat. <laughs> we only ask questions because we're curious. We didn't interview you about anything. <laughs> we only ask questions because we're curious and nosy and yeah. <laughs> and we're just trying to live vicariously through his adventures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds good. Oh, if you ever go to Australia and want to pet a, a kangaroo, go to Ferndale. Pet Ferndale. a kangaroo? That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's a good place for it. Did they just come up to you or is it a petting zoo or something? Um, they, they, they do come up to you if you had food in your hand. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, a lot of good information for everybody that, that, got to, that checked out this episode and, and listened in. Go to Ferndale and pet a kangaroo. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it's feather Featherdale. Ferndale was it's Featherdale. Sorry, Featherdale. Featherdale. Fern, okay, Featherdale. Yeah, <laughs> Ferndale is a good place to get your Airbnb. It's your it's a bed and breakfast that's that was three miles away from the race venue. 
All right. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Anything else to say before we go? Y'all have fun in, in Dallas this weekend. Oh, you know Thanks, we man. will. Appreciate it. <laughs> Lone Star shenanigans. <laughs> Anna, anything, any last words? Um, nope. I think that's it for me. It's weird how fast this hour goes by. It's so strange. This is a short and sweet episode, right? Kind of. Yes. Yeah. 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening in. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram and all the other good stuff. And don't forget to follow, listen, and talk. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Say hello. No. Bye.